You are listening to The Current Podcast, the official podcast of UC San Diego's IT Services Department. I'm your host, Miguel Rodriguez. Today is Wednesday, August 25th. Do you feel that nip in the air, the gentle fall breeze causing the odd crimson leaf to float by? Oh, but you must. You see, autumn is upon us as our corporate overlords in Seattle have introduced their pumpkin-spiced flavors as of yesterday. Farewell, summer 2021. Parting is such sweet sorrow unless you are me and you're heading in toward your favorite season. If you're looking to fill in your calendar, take note of the next IT Services Lunch and Learn Monday, August 30th at high noon. It's all about journey maps. Visit the homepage of The Current for the particulars. And the following day on August 31st, don't miss the next staff town hall. Visit returntolearn.ucsd.edu to get registered. And now I know all of you are extremely excited because yours truly has returned to the interviewer role for this particular episode, I'm just going to go right into my discussion with my own supervisor, Dan Suki. Well, it's been a minute since I've been able to do one of these interviews myself. And as fortune would have it, my, my own supervisor, Dan Suki, is in the hot spot. Hi, Dan. Hey, Miguel. So we are heading toward the end of summer very, very quickly. And the end of September will be rapidly upon us. So let, let's start with the obvious question. You know, as we head into fall quarter, what can people expect, faculty and students expect from an ed tech perspective? Sure. So would you want me to focus on the ed tech side or like what we, what we expect as far as campus, as far as students and the faculty environment to be like? Both, actually. But let's okay. start with ed tech. And sure. I think just by um, default, it's going to, you know, everything's interconnected. So, Absolutely. And I think that interconnectedness is something we'd like to touch on even in this conversation. Absolutely, Miguel. So I think, so what you're going to see from EdTech is a combination of, of different things. Uh, you know, in the past 18 months, as you know, I, you know, working really closely in this field, we've had to be flexible, very flexible as a group that largely uh, exists to serve students and faculty to further teaching and learning. Um, we've had to adjust, we've had to be flexible along with our customers. And what that means for us is to kind of, you know, take whatever, you know, the things we did over the past 18 months in response to the pandemic, take the best of those and make sure we, we continue those in the fall. And what I mean by that is, so a couple examples for you, you know, in response to this, not knowing whether we'd have in-person classes over the past 18 months, we, you know, we, we went through and we added Zoom capability to most of our classrooms. And what that's allowed instructors to do is broadcast their lecture in person and to remote audience. Now that was specifically because we did not know what in-person instruction was gonna look like. And we're gonna continue that going forward. In fact, that's something I see us doing once the pandemic is over, knock on wood, right? Uh, <laughs> for, the, uh, for the future. So things like that, um, other things we're gonna continue to do is, you know, as we all had to go remote, so a lot of our staff, like the media teaching lab folks, uh, developed these great videos on how to use uh, editing applications on, for video and audio. Those 
were so good that they plan on um, reusing those in fall and beyond because they're professionally done and it actually will replace some in-person uh, workshops. So things like that are, are things we're gonna take forward. One other thing I should mention too is even the nature of how we serve our customers is going to change down the road. Over the past 18 months, we've learned that we can, a lot of what we can do, we can do remotely. Uh, we can do via Zoom, we can do in a, a lot of other creative ways. So our staff will be a flexible workforce where possible and serving, supporting our customers, both in-person and uh, virtually. So you've kind of answered this already, but I want to focus on it a little bit. So there are two ways to look at what happened with COVID-19. Mm -hmm. One way is to look at it, you know, rightly so, as kind of a tragic thing and how we had to scramble for contingency plans to figure out what to do, many of which were not done with a lot of planning. We, we were forced to do things very quickly. But th the other way to look at it is it, it kind of forced us to, to innovation. We were put in this kind of situation where innovation and coming together and working together was brought to the fore. So if there is something that was created from ETS or ITS in general, that not only, what, what, what's the most powerful thing that you think came out of having to go to remote work that we'll continue to use? You, you've already mentioned Zoom in the classrooms, but mm -hmm. you know, what do you think is the most kind of earth shattering thing that we're going to keep going forward with? Yeah, so that's, that's a great question, Miguel. You know, I would say it's not a technology. Um, right. What we do is we provide the infrastructure, the tools to support uh, for teaching learning, at least in the ETS side of the house. I think the most powerful, the most impactful, and the most innovative thing that's come out of all this is from our faculty and our students understanding that as a campus, we can have online courses that work. Now, I'm not saying the past 18 months of you know emergency Zoom or remote courses was the most ideal scenario. It wasn't. Most of those courses need to be in person and they will. But I think we've kind of finally primed the pump for our, especially for our faculty, that they can teach online and that they can do it and that we have the tools and support to make that happen. So this is just in a way it's hastened what I, something that I think UCSD was already on the path to getting to, but it's accelerated that timeline quite a bit. I'm not sure how much research has been done from us, you know, that that's formal, but anecdotally, have you experienced many instructors who did not think that this type of scenario was possible and changed their tune after a few months of actually having to do it? Absolutely. We do. We have instructors who, and, you know, in almost all cases, it completely makes sense that their classes were in person for a reason, right? There was some sort of in-person interaction they needed, uh, maybe in-depth you know, discussions. Uh, sometimes there's very frank things being said in classrooms that you really need a, an in-person setting for. Um, you also have things like labs, obviously. If you're working on a, at a wet lab, there's only so much technology you can do to, to kind of simulate a, a lab environment. So there are classes, you know, instructors, some of them got frustrated immediately and they can't wait to get back in person. And for those classes, it makes total sense. But I'll say even in those classes, I think most instructors took away some new things like, oh, maybe I could use Canvas, for instance, which I doesn't mean I have to have a full remote course, but it means I could post readings or I could schedule meetings with my students 
or you know, I could have a quiz. So little things like that, I think it really we've made inroads with. So I think it, it's really uh, kind of critical that this has almost forced a bit of a shift in perspective, and and it's it's been very interesting. So um, I'm wondering, like for you, have you had any shifts in perspective as a supervisor of ETS? with what you thought was possible. I mean, I know that you've always been an advocate for innovative learning and innovative teaching, but what have you learned? Like, has, has anything surprised you in terms of what was possible? Yeah, I mean, I would say, I don't want to say surprised, implying that I didn't think it was possible, but I was, let's say, I, I mean, I was just impressed super impressed by the way that our staff in ITS, not just in ETS, not just in ATS, but throughout the whole, you know, all three, 400 of us were able to shift to remote work and still support our customers. And, you know, for me, having never been in this, in that environment, I understand a lot of people in IT and ITS have worked remotely before, but for us, it was, it was a bigger shift because so much of what we do is in person. And of course, we've had people in person here on campus the past 18 months, and I don't want to uh, gloss over that. That's been a, a big effort. But I would say one of the big things is, uh, is recognizing how much we can support our customers in a hybrid um, work-life you know, kind of lifestyle. And that's been great. It's, eye, it's been eye-opening. And as somebody you know, in my career as a manager, you know, I, I've done the walk managing by walking around things. I've done the managing by checking in on people. And I, was, I, I don't necessarily need to do that in person. Conversations I've had with Mojgan Amini regarding the kind of the environment of a pandemic world is in an odd way, the different parts of ITS have become a little more familiar with each other because we don't have the relegation of, of physical space where someone is often, you know, uh, Tory Pines, North Tory Pines, and is like, I don't know they exist. But now, in a weird way, they're kind of closer. So you, as supervisor, actually have a bit of a higher level vision or vantage point. So I'm wondering if that applies not only to within our campus and the various kind of silos that can exist, but with the UCs, has there been a little bit of a easier collaboration, connection, or understanding of what is going on UC-wide with educational technology? Well, I think what it's done, Miguel, is it's made us realize how similar we all are, right? I mean, at each campus, we, you know, we all like to think we're unique snowflakes, right? That I'm, I'm Berkeley, I'm not UC San Diego, or I'm Davis, and we're all different. But at the end of the day, you know, you're talking to your colleagues across the system, it makes you realize how much we're all facing the same challenges, and we take a lot of the same approaches. That being said, there's, there are some things each of us doing that we've kind of learned from and we, we took away for our own campuses. But what it's done is made realize it's at the end of the day, teaching and learning in a higher ed setting, public higher ed setting, I should say, is, is very similar throughout the UCs. So that's been nice to, to know and to kind of to realize. This is getting a little in the reads, but you know, we, I've been having conversations with uh, Paul Ajaparis over at Gage Teaching and he was saying something very similar, only he took it a bit farther, saying that he was hearing from instructors from across the Pacific, saying, it's like, you know what, all of our challenges are very similar. <laughs> We're all kind of 
seeing more easily now than ever before how much we can like learn from each other and improve with collaborative efforts. Absolutely. Yeah, I think Paul, so Paul has that great insight, you know, having done his work across multiple continents. So he's probably has colleagues all around the world. And he, he's right. I mean, it's, it's very similar. At the end of the day, most higher ed, higher ed institutions in the world have that kind of stage on the stage model in-person instruction that got it massively disrupted worldwide. And we all kind of face the same challenges. And technology was, I want to say it's a solution, but technology suddenly became a heck of a lot more important for getting um, learning done. Yeah, it went from being a bit of a, uh, hey, let's test the waters with something that could be cool to, oh, this is now a critical element. Exactly. It happened yep. at all. <laughs> exactly. So we got, you know, we got, we were in the spotlight, we still are for the past 18 months, which I, I like because it's really given an opportunity for, for folks to see how amazing our staff are and how we can support campus through this. So I kind of have to ask this because people are going to want to know Mm -hmm. As we head with the return to learn plan, mm -hmm. behind the scenes, <laughs> how much has the Delta variant come into the conversations? Um, I, you know, quite a bit, honestly. There's, you know, I would say the, 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 the FUD, you know, the fear, uncertainty, doubts of the past 18 months has waxed and waned uh, along with the, you know, the surge in COVID waxing and waning. Um, right now, Delta variant is very much in the spotlight, the uh, vaccination status and the upcoming requirement, which I can't really speak to, you know, as an expert, but those things are very much in the conversation right now. I can tell you, and as we all know, is that right now we are planning for a full return to fall, which is part of the return to learn program. So what that means is classrooms at capacity. It means our computer labs reopen and at capacity. So that's that's all being planned for. Will it change? I don't know. I know as well as you do, Miguel. Right? Um, whether that'll change, but right now that's that's the plan. I can edit this out, but I <laughs> I am going to ask this. Um, yeah, I got some. Yeah, I got some thoughts. Obviously, we we uh, we do have some experience with this now, so we can we can feel pretty confident. But let's say that it's the first week of fall quarter and things get really bad. Like how prepared are we to shift on a dime this time? Oh, you don't have to edit this out because we already have an example. So, so that's a good question, Miguel. I, you know, I would say we're, we're in a good spot. If, if something does happen and we all have to shift to remote again, um, if you recall, and it seems like a decade ago, but then it also seems like two weeks, right? The weird time bend of COVID. If you recall this, Pretty much this time last year, we were ramping up to support 25% capacity in our classrooms for fall. So we that was our plan. And about a month into the quarter, uh, the rates, you know, the COVID rates went way high. So we had to all bug out and go remote again. So we have some experience in ITS and how to do this and how to support our instructors. So I'm not worried if we need to uh, transition to fully remote again. I know we can do it. Yeah, I know. And, and uh, partly, you know, I, I'm as confident as you are. And I, I partly asked that question to make sure that everybody knows that we feel that way. Sure. And that we <laughs> no, it's a good question, Miguel. And it's an important thing to, to note. So, yeah, I mean, there is a lot of uncertainty. And, you know, this is uh, getting a little bit more personal, but I spent mm -hmm. the weekend in San Francisco because I had a friend pass away from COVID. And oh, I'm sorry. Uh, we had a memorial 
everywhere in San Francisco right now is requiring proof of vaccination. So I took my vaccination yeah. card, put it in a in a baggage holder, and uh, some places I had to show ID with mm-hmm. the vaccination card. So yeah. it's possible that's where we're headed. I know that uh, Orange County, where I have a film festival taking place in two weeks, has just passed the 21% hospitalization rate, which is, 20% is the cause for concern level. So um, mm-hmm. that's where a lot of you know these kind of questions and anxieties come out. And uh, again, I don't know how much of this we're going to edit in and keep out, <laughs> but no, I understand. Yeah. I'm sure that I'm not the only one having these kind of questions and concerns uh, yeah. regarding Delta variant and all this other stuff. But uh, are you going to get a third shot? Yeah. If if the science says I should, a third shot will reduce my chances of getting COVID and, and people around me getting COVID for me, mm-hmm. I will absolutely get a third shot. Yeah. What uh, what news do you have about for international students and, and their ability to return? Yeah, so it's it's mixed. Um, you know, fortunately, there's there is some more travel out between countries. So students who can are going to be here in fall. Our international students. We do have some areas though where uh, either because of travel restrictions or visa issues, and they're they're all tied together right now. They just will not be able to attend in person. So for those students, they are kind of granted a blanket, you know, accommodation to uh, to have a remote version of the course. And again, fortunately. ITS, we've built all the tools and infrastructure support to make that remote component possible. So that's what's going to happen with international students. I do feel bad. You know, I feel bad that they're missing out on that, uh, you know, Southern California college experience, and they will have to, you know, be stuck in their home country uh, until this changes. I think, like, we'll we'll start wrapping up, but um, again, I I have to ask this. The Academic Senate. Yeah. Um, has indicated very strongly a wish to that we are an in-person educational institution. So, which, you know, they have a lot of really great points for that. On the other hand, just talking about the international students as one contingent, how much has accessibility become much more in stark relief in terms of how important it is? And I don't just mean accessibility in terms of students who might have visual or hearing challenges, but students from other countries, students um, with whose English is the second language, mm-hmm. technology and the services that ITS provides meets an accessibility uh, mm-hmm. kind of standard in a way that, um, that maybe we mo- know even more about now after having to do this the last year. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts on that? So I would say the technology can do a lot, right? We can do, we can recreate and we can create the tools that allow, uh, you know, remote students and in-person students to interact together, interact with instructor. Instructor could be in the classroom, at home, wherever. So we we have the tools to allow that. The challenge is, and we've seen some of this and we will continue to see some of this, is creating a a parity in learning for all the students. And uh, parents out there who have kids in school are seeing this right now, where you have students in person and maybe some online. It really is more of a technology challenge at that point. It's a it's a pedagogy challenge. It's a techniques and learning. It's uh, how to make sure the students who are remote are getting the same attention and feel as included in the classroom as the in-person students. 
And so really that's, I mean, that's a, a challenge that teachers and instructors are facing in a big scale. And I feel badly for them having to juggle that. So I would say technology can do a lot, but um, this is really where, where like our teaching learning commons partners come in. Yeah. And help with best practices. After, uh, after you were talking, I was just like, oh, this, this, this could be a follow-up conversation. With oh yeah. There's, or someone. Miguel, there's so many like way other conversations around this, which would be awesome to have. Well, and you know, that goes back to what we said in full circle. This is all so interconnected. It's all mm -hmm. the same mission. Ultimately, the the mission statement of UC San Diego is really not very long in, <laughs> in terms of number of words, because it's 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 amazing how simple the mission statement sounds, but how complicated it can be to meet that you're goal, right. even come you're close right. to it. And you're right. And so I you're sorry to interrupt Miguel, but I, I you mentioned mission which is something I like to talk about a lot. So I'm going to chime in on there. But, I, you know, I think that's that's one thing that keeps us uh, focused over the past 18 months, especially as we feel a little more scattered, right? In our work, we feel more scattered because we're not on campus. We don't see our colleagues and our customers in person. I really, I think it's about keeping a, a strong focus on the UC San Diego mission and what we do, right? We, again, we provide all the tools, all the infrastructure, to enable teaching and learning and research at, across the university. And you know, that's that's what we're here for. And we'll continue to do that. I think it's a noble mission. Uh, I'm on board. You know, I think speaking on the mission and that is a great place to wrap up. Uh, are there any final thoughts that if you had to speak directly to faculty or students right now that you would uh, want them to know. And sorry, everybody, my kid is demanding popcorn. <laughs> Scarlett's in the podcast. That's awesome. Yes, she is. We, we've seen, so we've seen Scarlett grow up virtually over the past 18 months too. So, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I got, a, I got a few tips, but I think they, I think they're gonna apply to everybody, you know, the whole campus community. And I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say get vaccinated unless you have a medical or other, you know, exemption. And if you do, that's fine. We get that exemption. Um, otherwise, the science tells us you need to get vaccinated. So that's, that's all I'm going to say about that. Point number two, we're all going to be wearing masks indoors on campus in the classrooms. So on a practical level, don't be shy about reminding your coworkers or your faculty or students if they forget to put on a mask or if they come out of their office without a mask. This is something we all need to help each other with. I know I'm going to walk into my office once in a while without my mask on. I'm gonna need somebody to call me out. So. And then I think a third tip is, uh, you know, everyone's craving information. Everyone's craving answers right now. The town halls are really valuable. So don't just attend the staff town halls, attend the faculty town hall, like there's one tomorrow, tomorrow Tuesday. Attend it, because you get some really inside baseball of faculty concerns and you learn things that you wouldn't just learn from the staff uh, town hall. So that's kind of the third tip. Uh, and there's the past recordings you can go watch all those too. I agree. I would say that those town halls and those those community conversations that have been happening are one thing that I've loved about. I hate to say it, but sort of loved about the pandemic. You know, it's much easier to hear from leadership now because of things like that. Yep. Oh, I guess you know, on that point, your your third tip, not to drag this out, but sanitation stations at the classrooms. How are we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so How are we looking? <laughs> the classrooms will be, um, they will have sanitation things everywhere. 
Uh, they Again, they'll have a mask requirement for the instructor and students all the time. No eating or drinking in the classrooms now, so you can't take off your mask to do it. That's going to be a bummer for them. Uh, we have some cool things on our side. We're providing dedicated microphones like these, and not these, but much fancier versions than these for any instructor that, that wants it. I understand some people are comfortable reusing a, a lapel mic right now. So we're doing things like that. But yes, there will be uh, sanitation stations throughout campus, throughout the offices and everywhere else. Well, as everybody knows, we love science here at UC San Diego. So listen to the science. <laughs> Dan Suki, thanks for joining me. This has been fun. Uh, it's been good to get in the interviewer seat again. Yeah, absolutely, Miguel. It's great talking to you. And, uh, you know, there's like, like we talked about, there's so many other things that around uh, the return to learn program that we could talk about. So I look forward to doing that down the road. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I will let Doug and Mark know that we could have a part two, a part three, a part four. And you know, who knows what's going to happen. Um, yeah. The mystery is part of what's interesting, I suppose. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, back to work, my friend. We'll, we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Miguel. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. As noted, it has been a while since I conducted an interview for this podcast. It's also been a while since I've read song lyrics. Rejoice, dear listener, the wait is over. Dream, 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 dream. Dream, 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 dream. When I want you in my arms, when I want you and all your charms. Whenever I want you, all I have to do is dream, 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 dream. I sure hope you're enjoying this podcast. Remember to let your fellow IT services staff members know that this podcast exists. Get everyone to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you can get your podcasts. This podcast is a collaborative effort, and we want to hear from you. If you have any ideas for podcasts or topics, send them to me at its-podcast at ucsd.edu. That's it for today. Keep an ear out for the next episode of The Current Daily. <laughs>